Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Ashley Ray. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> this is so cool. How are you today? I'm good. Just a pretty regular day working. Nice. You know? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, no, you, so I don't know. I think I did a thing. I've mentioned this on the show before, where I just like randomly added a hundred people from the DIY Chicago group because <laughs> I was like, I need to, I need a better understanding of because we're so we're both opera singers. That's how we like started getting into art at all. Um, <laughs> Very <laughs> different than I think most of DIY Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, and I, that was kind of why I was like, I fuck imposter syndrome to the mat. Like, just like I need to like understand at all, like like get an understanding of like what because of the fact that yeah like chicago has such a rich yeah it's a really strong community uh there's a lot of opportunities to just perform all kinds of stuff like Mm -hmm. you can find any community i think in diy chicago Mm -hmm. yeah you're about to get a cat on your lap come on (laughs) let's do this come on she's really thinking about it (gasps) oh Oh, i'm so happy (laughs) so good yeah, and we always oh. do a thing, too, where, um, because we're always trying to have, um, like, branch out of, because, like, it can be very easy for people doing opera to just do, just to just do opera. It's a very insular community, which is unfortunate. Yeah, so we're, yeah. like, aggressively not that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's cool. Like, I can't think of the last time I, I saw opera or heard it. Well, and I think that's very much, like opera's problem is it's just the only people that watch it i mean that's not true there are people that didn't study opera that watch it but like i don't know probably like a quarter of the people that watch opera like studied it prof- like to be professional. Yeah. yeah 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 unless you're like 90 yeah um anyway so it's super interesting when we do have um something we were talking about before we started recording is like we have we haven't had a comic really on at all um so one of the things we do like kind of um touching on is just kind of like what that experience is like and and also especially um it's uh just kind of like being a comic in chicago is has to be such a a unique experience so yeah this is a very generic (laughs) like uh broad question but just kind of like what is it like you know doing that doing from that especially that diy like yeah i definitely I think I got my my comedy start like in the DIY scene. A lot of my first shows were just people being like, "You want to do stand up in this basement? Like, open for some bands?" Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, "Yeah," uh, which was kind of weird for me because I backed into stand up. I started as a storyteller and I did spoken word, which is my embarrassing secret that I like was super <laughs> into spoken word. Uh, but even when I was like writing poems uh, and writing stories, what I really like to do is make people laugh. And I just mm-hmm. like to focus on the joke part. <laughs> I was just writing like <laughs> setups and punchlines and then just kind of like filling in plot in the in between. Uh, and then one day I was just at Kohl's and the wonderful Sarah Sherman was like, you want to just get on stage and do it? Mm-hmm. And so I did an open mic and I fell in love and I've been doing it for about a year now. Cool. Uh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Nice. And so, like, backing into it kind of that way and just getting these opportunities to, like, do stand-up in places like Salonathon, which is having its last its last one today, but, like, Salonathon where it's just really community-oriented and people just being like, don't be afraid to get up there and try. Yeah. Uh, that's really what got me started. And now I'm, like, making the more, I guess, legitimate transition to, like, your standard stand-up spots. Well, that's an interesting... So, like, how... Yeah. Um, at what point do you feel like you're like, 
I'm a comic. Have you? Do you feel like you? <laughs> do you know what I mean by that? Like yeah, like yeah, like uh. So I'm I'm also a writer. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a freelance writer and. About a year and a half ago, I was talking to my friend, and at this point, like, I had been published, I'd been, like, I was regularly writing for places, and my friend was like, what are your goals? And I was like, I want to be a writer. And he just looked at me and was like, bitch, you're already a writer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. And he's like, well, you're writing. And so it's this thing where, like, I am doing comedy, I I have shows, and I'm a comic. I do this. I love doing it. And I'm going to claim that name because uh, I don't want to fall into the pit of imposter syndrome and like hate myself <laughs> so it's a real we like just in the last episode we were talking a bit about like imposter syndrome conceptually because it's like so i don't know what it is about folks that are like in their late 20s early 30s right now but yeah. it's just like a fucking mood it is like i think all of us i mean we'll talk about astrology but saturn returns uh saturn mm-hmm. returns big part of it doubting mm-hmm. myself like who am i what do i really want to do with my career and my life and what do i actually know so mm-hmm. there's a lot of just like reframing in my life right now and i think a lot of us yeah. are going through that maybe because of a planet maybe because donald trump is gonna blow the world mm-hmm. up who knows mars and sagittarius mood is is kind of where i've been at the last like Ooh. couple of weeks yeah where i can tell i'm like oh i'm because so i don't mean to like automatically get deep into astrology <laughs> but like I think we're here. I, I think we're here. I, so, like, um, I'm a Sag- Sagittarius sun, Taurus moon, Virgo rising. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, uh, that's an amazing combination. Been, why, why do you think well, that? Well, first of all, I'm a Sagittarius sun, mm-hmm. uh, Aries moon, Scorpio rising. Okay. Uh, so, Scorpio rising, I'm automatically going to love a Taurus rising. Mm. Uh, did you say Virgo moon? Virgo rising, oh. Taurus moon. Well, it's a little backwards then. I, for a while, I had the wrong my wrong birth time, and I thought I was a Leo rising, and Ooh. I fucking loved that, and then I found yeah. out I was a Virgo rising. It's like, god damn it. Virgo rising. I mean, I'm trying not to, like, be negative, because I just, like, got mad ghosted by a guy who was a Virgo rising, but I'm not going to take that out on you. No, for sure, um, yeah. I'm not going to hold that or against like, you. Or, like, you can. You yeah, can take it out maybe on I you. can. Maybe I can. <laughs> like... But the Taurus moon is great. Sagittarius sun, wonderful. Sag like Sagittarius were amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Virgo rising, you know that's great. Like you're motivated, you're doing the things. Like you have something you want to do, you're gonna do it, which is so different than mm-hmm. me. I'm a big ball of uh of straightforward goo in that <laughs> I am a Aries sun, Leo rising, Libra moon. I love that so much. <laughs> First of all, I love fire signs, mm-hmm. and my favorite air sign is Libra. So, like, Libra moon, that's just, like, a core of perfection with, like, the most beautiful glitter around it. Like. What? How long? <laughs> how long have you been? And I don't, I don't mean to make this interview all of a sudden all about astrology, but how I mean, long did you start? Has it been that you've been thinking about personalities like that? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I got super into astrology when I was, like, a kid. A bunch of my family members were into it. Like, I had aunts who were just, like, all about astrology. I had this aunt who would, like, call me and would be like, hey, Ashley, I know you have a test today, but just so you know, like, the moon is in Sagittarius. So if you're feeling a little restless, Mm -hmm. just FYI. Yeah. Uh, So it was just, like, the kind of house, not, like, really household, but, like, the culture I grew up in where that was just accepted. And then, like, around 13, I got my first astrology book and started, like, digging in and, Mm -hmm. you know... I just think it's it's like a Myers-Briggs personality test. It's just another way to think about yourself. I love thinking about myself. It's my favorite thing in the world to do is to think about myself. So astrology is just a way to do that. 
Yeah. And I, I, for me, I think it's super interesting once you pass that threshold of like, okay, now I'm starting to think of everyone else by their sign. Like you start realize like you, it's a weird like sociology yeah. thing. <laughs> what's frustrating? Like, what's frustrating to me as an Aries is that most of the folks writing astrology are not Aries, because true. Aries don't have time for yeah, it. Yeah, we we don't have the patience. Like yeah. I don't have the patience, and I also like don't care enough. Exactly. Like, there are people who I like. They'll be like, read my chart, blah, blah, and I'm just like, you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> Like, I'm looking at what I think is going to happen and what this all means, and I just don't even, like, I have things to go do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's a fun thing to do, but also, like, like you said, like, sometimes who has the time? I take breaks from it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and what's frustrating to me about it is that, like, I've never really gotten, like, I, I don't really have a clear picture in my head of what Aries is about other than all of the other signs think that they're mean. <laughs> yeah, Aries are known for like wanting to fight and being super aggressive and like competitive and like a lot of energy. Right. And like totally being cool, just being independent and like, I'm going to go do this anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an Aries moon, so like I have a little bit of that, but I think Aries is just like, a, it's like a child. It's like the most outward expression of like an inner child. I've always tried to like in, put it in a better of like, it's just, you're a really good like short term thinker. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I yeah. can do short term strategy. Like this is what I want now. Oh my gosh, this is so great. And then it's like two weeks later and I'm like, what did I get myself into? This is mm-hmm. a mess. Someone help me. Yeah. I mean, and that in a positive light is that like, I'm real good at knowing that our phone bill is due in four days and that like, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we got to make sure that there is this amount of money in our bank account so that we don't overdraft. And Daniel's Daniel's like, thinking about about four months from now. (laughs) Yeah. Once the revolution happens, that's yeah. yeah, I see that. And that like Virgo rising and then that Libra moon, that's just like the balance though. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, bring it down. Because right now we can't have a pizza oven. <laughs> like right now we gotta pay our phone bill. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so we did it. We, we did, did it, it everybody. Yes. We can stop the interview now. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, <laughs> all the astrology. I wanna keep talking about Chicago, but I also it's really I love imp- Chicago. Yeah, it's such a good town. Yeah, it's I just like and and for comedy, you you kind of had asked earlier, like what is it like in Chicago? Chicago is obviously like a comedy mecca. Right. So many people have come here, but for some reason, it's like you you can get a start here and then you have to leave. You have to go to California, you got to go to New York, you make the choice and you do it. Uh, but I think there's just been this really amazing like group of comics who've stayed in Chicago, who've really built a scene. Uh, and I think you can do a lot in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm so excited about the work that I'm doing here. I'm not like, oh, when am I doing New York? Like, what's next? When do right. I move? Uh, for me, it's just like, this is a gift. Like, Chicago is such a gift. I don't think I can't think of any other place where you could like perform in so many spaces for so many different types of audiences. Mm-hmm. There's so many different comedy scenes here, like on the South side, the North side, there's alt comedy. There's just so many kinds of audiences you can test your material in front of that. I just, I love Chicago. That's such an, your, your perspective on that is super interesting to me because um, something that we end up mentioning a lot and kind of thinking about uh, is how, Chicago can be like people that come up and make their name in Chicago. I mean, I think that they always will reference like that was like the the breeding ground or not the breeding ground. You know what I mean? Like the train, whatever yeah. the training ground for it or whatever. But th- there is such a like, 
oh, but it's like Chicago is not a national scale thing. Yeah. And it's super interesting to me the juxtaposition of like what your day job must be like that it seems like such a national scale thing and then but then like your personal career is like so intimately involved with and caring about um this town yeah and that's so i i uh there's a question that i that i wanted to get to but it is that what do do you think what do you think about that like it feels like there has been a lot more people now that are like really wanting to maybe not necessarily like make a national spotlight for Chicago, but like give Chicago its due. Yeah. Uh, of course. I think like with like the rise of chance and no name, like that put Chicago on the map in a big day, like a year ago today is when he won the Grammy, which was huge. Uh, but even before that, like there have been companies like VAM and Open TV that have really focused on like Chicago first podcasts or mm. <laughs> Chicago first web series uh, and Chicago first casting and crews. And that's amazing. I think Chicago has these stories that need to be told, but it's hard because I think most people in Chicago are not from here. So it's this weird thing where a lot of artists who are here aren't from here. They've been living here four or five years. They don't feel like they necessarily have the right to tell this Chicago story, Mm -hmm. but they are here and they're building something and they want to tell that story. Um, So I think that's really awesome. And I feel super lucky to be coming up in this moment. Yeah. Uh, But actually, yeah, I'm like, I'm from Rockford, Illinois. And I'm nice. going to claim that. And if I ever make it, I want everyone to know that I am from Rockford, Illinois, the same place as Cheap Trick. I've just started claiming it as a point of pride because it is a horrible place to be from. So Yeah, Rockford's not great. My grandma lives around Rockford. And it's, uh... does, she, does she live in one of the Rockford suburbs? She Well, so for the longest time, she lived um, in this little town outside of DeKalb called... Oh. Rochelle. Oh, I know Rochelle. She lived in Rochelle. Rochelle, Rockton, DeKalb. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. she lived in Rochelle for my entire childhood. She just moved to Malta. Okay. Yeah. And so she's she's gone gone a little further away from Rockford now. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's a she, like you look out of her back you look out her back door and it's just simply a soybean field. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, like, was that in DIY Chicago? Do you know what I'm talking about? The, there, there, there was like a, a thing about Rockford somewhere. Oh yeah. There was a punk house in Rockford called disaster house. It's been around for 10, 11 years. It started when I was in high school and I remember going and it was literally a disaster house, like a house that was falling apart, like mm. mold. It smelled awful. They did shows in this damp basement and it was like that forever. Uh, and they just shut down. They're having their final show like this weekend. And like people were in an uproar because they were happy that this place had shut down. But there's a thing when you're from Rockford where only other Rockfordians can talk shit about Rockford and the things that we have. So this this like thread just turned into people from Rockford being like, we will fight you, shut the fuck up. <laughs> this was our DIY spot and we loved it and it did the best that it could for us in Rockford, which if you don't know about Rockford, I call it the Flint, Michigan of Illinois. <laughs> like... It's real bad. It's bad. We have more crime <laughs> per capita than Chicago, like higher unemployment, higher disparity of wealth. It's pretty much just like these incredibly wealthy people who live on the east side of the town. And then the west side of the town is just like poor, horrible, terrifying trash. That's where I grew up. <laughs> and like, it, it's a tough place to be from, but I think it made me cooler. I think it gave me a wonderful tolerance for lead in my water 
and I I'm claiming it. Cheap Trick is from there. Uh, Natasha Legero, she's a comic that I really admire. She's from uh, Rockford. She's from Rockford. Really? Yeah, she has like a ton of great jokes about it. Like she actually like she went to the school near where I grew up. There was a McDonald's over there that like was constantly just in the news. And when she was there, it was because like. There was a McDonald's employee who grabbed someone's fake arms and was just and was like, "You don't have real legs," and was like yelling at this woman, which obviously got McDonald's in a lot of trouble. Uh, when I was growing up, it was that a car ran into it, but oh like three times in one summer, a car <laughs> ran into this McDonald's, uh, and then they found out that it was because like someone in the McDonald's was like selling coke or crack or something. Rockford's a crazy place. Yeah. Well, I the thing that um, I keep the thing that I think is interesting is like Facebook groups generally are like such an interesting thing, and I feel like this is tangentially related. Oh yeah. Um, but like where, um, like I feel like in a weird way, for some reason, in like 2017, 2018, like Facebook groups has become like the internet forum. But it's so yeah. weird because it's like tied to like real people, like yeah. you know, like like people can argue with each other on like on Reddit or even like on Tumblr, and you. But there's a, 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 a but it's like, like a serious fart master like, arguing yeah. right. with, with drama queen seventy three. Right. Instead, now it's like Joe Smith who yeah. went to East High School, and, and I who, have three mutual friends, and I know your aunt. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's weird because for me, like I said, I I use Facebook in this weird kind of performative way. My day job is just working with Facebook all day. I am the person who is, like, tracking what you do on the platform and, like, looking at algorithms to see how I can sell you ads on Facebook, which is horrible. But I guess the way for me to, like, still use Facebook, despite the fact that I see it as, like, this evil advertising machine, uh, is to use it like a joke. (laughs) Is to just use it as a platform to make jokes and to try bits and be weird and open and gross and see like what people react to and how. Um, So for me, like when I started doing that, I got really deep into weird Facebook and I got super into like being Facebook friends with like strangers. I would just accept anyone like gimmick accounts, fake accounts. I didn't care. I was just like weird Facebook. I'm all about this, like strangers all over the world. Uh, But even those, like those people like slowly became communities to me. And that's the thing about Facebook is that even when, you know, you are like, I shouldn't be mean. These these are like kind of real people. Some kind of weird community dynamic happens in groups where like people mm-hmm. start to fight and people start mm-hmm. to argue. But then people are supportive and like factions form and then other separate groups form. Uh, and it's just like what I see happen all the time. Yeah. And it feels like at a certain point, too, like every group has to have its takes agreed on you know what i mean by that like where it's like we all think that i don't know yeah like weed is bad yeah (laughs) i don't know like but yeah like it's it's the only time i've really seen like collective thought work is facebook groups where people are like so we all agree like content warnings are a mandatory these are the rules of the land and I think that's why they're so popular with, I mean, you know, being like a queer poly black person, I'm in a lot of groups that like deal with those parts of my identity. And I think like that's why Facebook is great for that, because mm-hmm. you can kind of just set these standards that are like, look, in this group, we believe all black lives matter. Yeah. <laughs> and you can like define your experience that way. And I think that's great in a lot of ways. And it's bad in a few ways because uh, that is not the real world. 
but uh, I mean, I love having those spaces. I think it's also interesting seeing what different, more niche face groups latch, latch onto as oh, yeah. their like tenants. Like Daniel and I are both vegan, and so we're we're um, oh, the vegan groups are hardcore. I hear. Yeah, yeah. the vegan groups are wild. They are They're wild. wild. Um, I, my favorite. Well, the, the best take is. Well, sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm my my off. favorite like. <laughs> I think it's funny what different vegan groups classify as being vegan. Like there are certain yeah. there are certain ingredients that different vegan groups say are vegan <laughs> or not. So like Chicago vegans has decided collectively that palm oil not vegan. Ooh. If you post something and it has palm oil in it, you are posting something that is not vegan. Mm-hmm. Whereas other groups are like no, palm oil's vegan. Like, don't worry about it. Like, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, when you were talking about, like, how different groups latch on it, I was like, man, those vegans and fucking yeah. palm oil. And palm- that's... That There's is- the wildest rules. I've been kicked out of two Facebook groups in my life. The first one was, uh, it was, it was like a weird Facebook meme group. It was called, like, I don't know, like, cool Wiktionary pics or, or like, cool pe- coolpics.jpg. Something like that. Or coolfreaks.jpg. And the day David Bowie died, like, people kept dying, and every day people would die, there'd be, like, tons of memes. Mm -hmm. And the day David Bowie died, like, that morning they made a rule that was, like, you cannot make memes about the person who died. There has to be a one-week waiting period (laughs) before we will allow David Bowie memes. I did not see this rule change. And I had a hilarious David Bowie meme that I thought of. You know the meme that's like, think about those beans. And it's like a guy, an old man at a computer, like, and it's like bush beans. But then mine was like, think about those Bowies. And then it was like, just screenshotted little pictures of different Bowies all around this guy's head. And I posted it. It got some laughs. And then within an hour, I was kicked out of the group. And someone just sent me a screenshot of the new rule. And I got to say it was worth it for that horrible joke. That's always a hard, that's always a thing for me where you recognize that you won over the audience, but yeah. you didn't win over the admin. Yeah, I did not win over the admin. Yeah. Not at all. The admin yeah. was not in my corner. And that's how you dominate these groups. You get the right. admins in your corner. Yeah. yeah. The, the other group I was kicked out of was an astrology group. <laughs> Which this group, like... Okay, like I'm gonna, I'm pretty known for having sassy astrology takes. Like I get pretty sarcastic about the signs. I can be like really mean to Virgos. I mean to all the signs, but like you know, I think it's more fun to look at the faults and laugh at them. Mm-hmm. And so in this group, I had been doing that. I was like, Virgos, you suck. <laughs> like, oh, the lamest thing you can be is a Virgo. <laughs> And there were, of course, like all these Virgo admins who had it out for me and were just waiting they, what, for Virgos me. Virgos are the Facebook admins, yeah. though. Yeah, they Virgos are shit. the Facebook admins. Yeah. And they were just waiting for me to like slip up so they could kick me out of this group. Because people had been like, she's so mean. And then the name of the group is The Stars Think You're a Loser. It was a roast Facebook group. Yeah. And it was the whole point was making fun of the signs. So anytime someone was like, she's so mean, I'd be like, that's why we're here. <laughs> and then finally one day, like I was posting about like, my eight boyfriends and their signs or something and like someone mentioned like drug use and I like that it had like over 200 comments I was like I'm so bored of this I stopped paying attention and the next thing I know like 40 minutes later I'm out of the group and someone's like oh someone on the thread requested a trigger warning and you didn't reply and you didn't add one so you're out 
and, and it was was it just like and it was just this virgo admin who was like waiting like i got her now like she's not gonna see this notification the post has been up for two days and uh you know there has to be like some level of understanding of that because like not everybody checks every facebook notification oh yeah i don't i honestly like i don't check my facebook notifications <laughs> i get like so many and then i just am like like you, they made it so hard to scroll through like mine don't show up in mm. chronological order anymore what is this up is, yeah, yeah that's a facebook thing. so facebook makes all these changes to their algorithms and all those changes are just to get you to spend more time on the platform so if you have to spend more time going through your notifications like where are they <laughs> yeah uh you're buying into what they want you to do wow i mean yeah that doesn't super surprise me at all I recently just got into a, not a public Facebook fight, but a Facebook message fight with somebody who I went to college with. I love those. Who he fancies himself a a business mogul. Mm -hmm. He runs a series of summer camps. So you know that he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, And he was giving, he was trying to give us, he was trying to give me business advice because I'm, because I run the, the business end of Scopy. I, I run its butt. Yes. Um, but no, I, uh, I, I'm like trying to figure out like bank account shit and stuff like that and paying people. And he was giving me whack at wacko advice. Just like you should take out a $70,000 business loan. And like, and you, sh- you know, if you're not paying a hundred dollars a month for paychecks, you're going to get audited and it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. And I'm like, what are you? Uh? And like, it's terrifying. I don't like business stuff. I know. And he, and the latest thing that he was trying to tell me was that my business was going to fail unless I exclusively did Facebook marketing. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, how, how the hell is my success as a person trying to build something entirely contingent on feeding money into a system that does not give a shit about me? Like, yeah. that can't be the only way. But it sadly is pretty much the only way. Uh, like, no, but- Facebook <laughs> advertising is, like, what every publisher is now, like, tied to. I don't know if you read the piece that came out in Paste, I believe, like, Facebook is killing comedy. Oh, um, no. But it's all about basically the ways that these publishers... Most of their traffic comes from Facebook. Uh, when was the last time you like opened your browser and you were like theonion.com? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you most likely like open your Facebook feed and then you're like, oh my gosh, Onion headlines, hilarious. And yeah. now you click on them because uh, that's how people consume content. Now you just go to your social media platforms. Uh, but the thing is, those platforms, the what you see is controlled by Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook is what decides what article you see and when. Uh, so the publishers, instead of, you know, making their website look amazing for the people who want to come to it, are now just trying to figure out ways to make their content work on Facebook so that it's in front of more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they instead are like bowing to the demands of Facebook to get their stuff in front of people instead of like, you know, the actual whims of, of the people. Mm-hmm. Like when's the last time you were on Facebook? Like, oh, my God, I'm so pumped about this like Facebook live. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so happy this publisher I follow is, like, going live right now in yeah. the middle of my work day. <laughs> they no. sold it hard, though, when it first came out. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They were, that was, like, everybody had to try it once. They yeah. were, like, really? And then, what? who does And that's, now? yeah, that's, like, the terrifying thing of, like, social platforms and, like, publishers relying on them because... Mm-hmm. You look at things like Vine and Periscope, and they are big things. Like, there's every year there's, like, a buzzword. It's, like, gamification. It's this. It's blah, blah, blah. And then that thing has its moment, and then the actual consumer is, like, 
what? <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, that was fun, but I'm not trying to, like, watch my friend go live from the bathroom right now, mm-hmm. which is all this is going to be used for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's just modern publishing. I, it's, you know, obviously something that we think about a lot, and it's just, like, f- trying to figure out. Because, yeah, a lot of our um, site traffic is from Facebook. We're, like finding though that some of it we're getting people that are like going to the site itself which is an interesting like you know that's the the hope i think when it's something like we're like trying to do something local chicago but like yeah we're also just trying to diversify because like because we have like no money it's like we at the end of the day like yes we do have to buy into that horrible Mm -hmm. like heartless machine but ultimately, we also have, like, other operating costs. And he was basically telling me, like, there is no other operating cost. There is mm. only Facebook. And I'm like, no, we have to pay people that yeah. produce content for us. This is ridiculous. Like, people make things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, and, yeah, that, and that's the other part is that, like, we put all this money then into Facebook to, like, get our content in front of people. But, like, and Facebook makes money off of that by selling ads, like, as mid-roll or pre-roll or just, you know, whatever. Uh, or it's selling you a cost per view or a cost per engagement. Uh, but then you, you don't make any money. Yeah. And you're the one who actually made the content that the people on Facebook are engaging with. And Facebook's making the money, but you're not making the money for entertaining people. So wait, this is news to me because... So they've started like putting ads in the middle of videos. Yeah, so that's called mid-roll. Okay. Mm. But the producers don't get any cut of that. Uh, so the producers can, so like you pretty much make a bit of money by saying, yeah, I will allow you to run an ad in the middle of my content. Uh-huh. Uh, but what you typically see when you do that is that people watch less of your content. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a trade off where it's like, oh, okay, you do have these ways for me to make some money off of this platform, uh, <sighs> and to get like, to like drive some revenue. But at the same time, it's like. Oh, that, but that oh. makes me look worse. Yeah, and God yeah. forbid we link to YouTube on Facebook. Oh, you cannot. Yeah, it Facebook does not. does not like you to use things that are not Facebook owned. Instagram, great. You try to post a Twitter link, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, and then YouTube, no. I, I, I do a little bit of like marketing freelance work on the side and bands will come to me and be like, we have this new music video. We don't understand why I like didn't get any views. We posted the YouTube link on Facebook. I'm just like, well, there you go. You stupid idiots. Like Facebook doesn't like YouTube. It's not owned by them. You have to upload the video directly to Facebook and then you will actually get reach with it. And that those are the kind of dumb whims that Mm -hmm. like publishers are being held to. And like comics, if you think back to like, kind of the boom of web series that brought us shows like broad city and high maintenance, it was just people like uploading their videos on YouTube and Vimeo and wherever they could. And people were just sharing links. Like the first time I saw a broad city clip, someone had just posted a YouTube link on Facebook. Mm. And now like, I think about how I probably wouldn't run into that content the same way. No, yeah, <laughs> Cause right. like what friend of mine is uploading a video directly, or, you know, if your web series is uploading it directly, then you're hoping that people share it from your page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's far easier, obviously for people to just share a YouTube link. Uh, so it's just like one of those weird demands that like modern artists have to think about, and I wish it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, for a while, I was really enjoying using like YouTube as a platform itself, but like yeah. it's like every other person on YouTube's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Like it's. it's I a have a hard time so with YouTube. Bad. I'm actually terrified of YouTube. Like 
I get social media, but I like I'm terrified of YouTube. Mm-hmm. I will work on it on the back end. I upload my videos. I know how it works, but I can't engage with people. I just am afraid that someone's gonna bully me. It's really bad. Yeah, it's like, so. I don't know what how what YouTube did to attract that. <laughs> I don't know. Just garbage demo. <laughs> yeah, just really. Bad. I'm like I'm just terrified of the day that I get my first mean YouTube comment, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna cry for sure. So if you're out there and you want to make me cry, head to my YouTube page. It's A Ray A R A Y Y A Y, and uh, nice. you know, just let let it rip. Just go, cool. make it happen. Um, so I've got two trains. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna tell you both of them. Um, I'm really interested in um, talking about uh, your identity, especially in um, in the comic scene and especially in the comedy scene. And and I think it it's probably it, maybe it's getting. I don't know. I'm not gonna. Make, never mind. <laughs> the the what the other train is. I'm also interested in um, kind of like, you know, you mentioned that you do like freelance marketing thing. I'm curious uh, stuff. Like I'm curious, kind of like as a person who's very good at that, working with people that probably have no fucking clue. Like how? What is that? I, I don't mean to. I don't know who you were. I don't mean to like shit on anybody. <laughs> but like, I, I guess my real question is, is like, what's navigating like that? Like. Yeah, it's interesting, like, being an artist, working with artists, like, you know, seeing my friends who are, like, comics and musicians who want to promote themselves and get their work out there, uh, but then also working on the other end of it where I'm like, this is how you get your work out there, Mm -hmm. and this is what's stopping you from getting your work out there. It is a weird divide because a lot of times I do just want to, like, yell at my friends and be like look, you had too much text in this image and that limited your reach. And if Mm. you had put your bid at like a 50 cent (laughs) CPM, that is all incredibly nerdy stuff. But, you know, I want to offer that advice and I'm always happy to do it because I obviously want my friends to like be the most famous popular people in the world. Um, But it is weird when you're like, looking at like Facebook invites to shows and you're like, Oh, how many people are interested in going? And like, do I, does this actually look like a legit thing that I want to go hang out at and how we do let those Facebook like numbers and algorithms like influence us Mm -hmm. when probably in the past it was just like, here's a flyer about my cool friend and I'm going to go to this show. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's awesome because like with Facebook, I know every event happening anywhere in the city, but at the same time, like, we hold it to these weird Facebook standards that just should be demolished. Mm-hmm. And the other train, uh, I guess like my identity as a comic, um, it's interesting because I, I try to, my comedy and my, my personal writing is for me just so separated from like my day job and like mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just want to be a person who like has the most boring, whatever day job I go to the office and no one has any idea that at night I'm like killing people with laughter, like <laughs> in these dive bars. <laughs> what? <laughs> and yeah. that's like my dream is that I just like, I go out at night and I'm like a superhero of comedy <laughs> or something. <laughs> But yeah, well, and it seems like that that I think is kind of the thread. The reason why I was on that thread was not just because that's the question that you ask someone, but like also <laughs> like because you do very well at it and you're also very unapologetically you like it doesn't seem like and, and obviously like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to like sit here and try and put explain to you your own perspective at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to do anyway. Um, but I but and what I really mean to ask is like, um you know like that 
I don't know. I just, I, I don't yeah. know what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, yeah it, it's like a weird combination because like people who just know me from the internet, if they meet me and find out like what I do or my credentials or like any of that stuff, they're always like, oh my God, really? Like I figured you dropped out of high school and like, <laughs> like grew up on PBR for breakfast. And I'm like, oh, that's part of me. But right. <laughs> but like also like I went to a good school and I have a really good job in this career that like has made so many things possible for me. Um, and then people I work with are absolutely just like, you do what? You tell a joke somewhere? You do shows? What? Okay, that's cute. And I like I love that kind of divide. But, you know, I in the end, my comedy is about kind of me as this careless messy black girl that I want to be that I don't Mm. think we really see often in media or anywhere Mm -hmm. like (laughs) I love all of the black girl magic and like let black women lead us and black women are our new gods and that's all great and also to me just seems like so much responsibility I want to just be the black girl who's like, I woke up at two today, but I'm proud of myself because I did laundry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just, you know, I think so often like white women in media and pop culture have had the opportunity to like be that lazy person and to just kind of like not have to be this person who excels and goes to college and graduates, uh, but can just be like in the show Wonder Falls or Pushing Daisies. Uh, or not Pushing Daisies, but uh, Dead Like Me and Wonder Falls, where you had these, and Daria, where you have these women who just want to be women, who don't want to have some career ambition or drive, who are just, like, figuring themselves out and what they want. And it's so rare to see black female characters like that. Like, so often they have to be like, I run a magazine. I'm a lawyer. Uh, And it's very rarely like, I'm just a pothead. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... (laughs) I'm here to rep for you if you're out there, the black girls who just want to be lazy, depressed potheads. And so I, I'm going to always stay true to that when it comes to my work, because it is my lived experience. Well, and I, yeah, I think that I, I think that's kind of like what I was trying to because like, I think that I guess what I, I'm curious, like for you, like, do you have a, a person that you look to or do you pretty much just like go like, I want to be that person that I'm not trying to put into yeah. words. You're sorry. You should. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think. In- <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. Yeah. God, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, like, I think in terms of who I idolize, who does that, uh, it's Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford is my inspiration, my I favorite comic. I fucking love Maria Bamford. She's amazing. And she is just so thoroughly herself. Her weird, you know, just like, not always happy, like depressed, bipolar, what, like all of her disorders on display. She doesn't like, you know apologize for what she's doing but if she does like she knows what that like why she's apologizing for whatever she does and like she just owns it uh and i i just want to reach that level of like not like we do the same comedy or anything but like like not at all that would that's insane she's like a goddess uh but (laughs) but like my goal is to just be able to like do my work in a way that's like as open and freeing as it is for her i think that's probably like every artist and comics goal in the world they're all just like well duh ashley we all just want to like freely tell our jokes uh but i just think some comics have that opportunity more than others Mm -hmm. oh for sure yeah well i mean i think that with comics i mean because maria bamford is just like because i haven't i (laughs) 
because because I produce a lot of content, I haven't been consuming a lot of content lately. <laughs> but um, if I if I'm remembering correctly, it's it's a lot about like her relationship with her mother and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, her mm-hmm. show Lady Dynamite on Netflix. It's about her mother. It's about her bipolar disorder, her treatment that she went through, um, how she like met her partner, um, and it just gets really into the nitty gritty of like these breakdowns that she had. Uh, but it's also hilarious. Well, and it's what I appreciate about her is as as a woman from the Midwest and as a woman yeah. with a mother from the Midwest. It's like not that not that my mom is anything like <laughs> Marie Bamford's mom because Marie Bamford's mom sounds really stressful. But um, <laughs> I um, like I hear those jokes and I and I I like. I so relate to her vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Just like women in the Midwest with like these extremely heightened expectations of yeah. being like being like able to like throw down at a party but also then like wake up the next day and like go do go your to work thing and like and- achieve all of this. And yeah, yeah, and she just kind of turns that on its head and I think like as a black woman, I not only like have those responsibilities and expectations put on me, but then there's also the whole, like, well, as a black person, you're supposed to work three times as hard to be seen as half as good. So it's, like, the additional burden where it's, like, yeah, I went to college and I got three degrees and I did this, this, and this because that's what everyone told me I had to do to even be a little bit able to be free to be myself Mm. is that I had to prove myself in these, like, academic spaces before anyone would just, like, let me be a black woman Mm -hmm. and be listened to for it. Um, so yeah, like I just want to create that relatable material and that's what I I think I try to do in my, in my work is just this relatable material for the black girls out there who are like, do I like have, like you're saying I have to like go to college and I have to go do this. Like, can't I just like smoke weed for a year and like Mm -hmm. figure my life out? Well, and I think, I think the reason why I'm like figuring out how to, because the thing that we, another thing that we kind of like love thinking about and talking about is is how to carve your own path and how to do that but i think it's something that um you know in in like thinking about identity like it very much is a um maybe maybe not the like double-edged sword is the wrong way to put it but like it just in a lot of ways there's like it's it can it feels like it can be a burden to have to do that yeah um i think for artists of color that's always what happens is like we have the burden of like representing everyone and they're you know comedy especially is really segregated like it's not that there aren't a lot of black female comedians Mm -hmm. there are tons of black female comedians and they're killing it and they're hilarious and they're in this city but it's that they're segregated from like what's seen as mainstream comedy in the city uh and it's hard to like make that that crossover between different communities a lot of time uh, so then you end up becoming like, oh, I'm the black girl that people book on shows mm-hmm. or like, oh, well, like I'm the only like black comic on this lineup. And like, what's up with that? Um, and it, it's 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 a weird balance of like wanting that and wanting to be like, yeah, I should be the diversity on your lineup. Like you should have diversity and I can do this and be this voice, but also not wanting to take on that responsibility of like. Okay, I'm holding it down for the black women on this show tonight. Okay, and just wanting to breathe and be like, can I just, like, tell some jokes? Yeah. Well, and also, it also then, you know, I I guess, like, by default, 
smushes all of the black female comics into just like one box of like black female comedy. And that's not fair. Yeah. Because like, if you look at like, like if you look at me as a personality versus like another white female personality, it's like, just because we're both white women doesn't mean that we are doing anything the same. Like I, and I think that if you asked the average Joe to just like at face value judge what we're doing, they'd be like, oh, they're doing different things. Whereas if you ask like, you know, same Joe normal, like, Mm. oh, here are two black female comedians. They're going to be like, oh, they're probably doing the same shit. The same stuff. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it like gets that rap of like, oh, most black comics are Def Jam comics. Mm-hmm. And I had someone tell that to me like online. They were like, Ashley Ray here telling Def Jam jokes. And I was like, if anything, like, like I'm biting off of most modern hipster comics. Like, what are you talking about? Like Def Jam? <laughs> but for him, he was just like, he was this white guy who probably had only heard of like Monique and like two other black comics mm-hmm. and was just like that's what black women do they tell Def Jam jokes uh, and so it, it it doesn't make any sense to me I think like if you were to watch the variety of black female comics in this city you'd be like amazed at what everyone is doing but in the end for it, it just like oddly will come down to in the end for so many producers and stuff to okay we need to add diversity just check that box mm-hmm. get that person and I don't really even know how to fix it because in one way that does add diversity. Uh, I've seen like open mics where they'll be like, the producers will try to be like, Oh, let's make sure that like every fifth person is a woman or like every sixth person's like a black woman. And sure. I will take a higher up spot on an open mic list, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm very much about it just being again, like I just want it to be about the jokes. I don't want to be at an open mic. Like here I am Mm -hmm. to grace you all with my black lady presence. Well, and it's also like, it seems like you very much have the mind that thinks about trends. And so yeah. thinking about like that with the idea of like, what are, what are we trending towards? You know? And I think comedy very much so is a, is a trend friendly oh, um, yeah. space. It, that I think that I think to me is why it's, um, I, I don't know. I think it almost that like that, uh, burden of education, I guess maybe is the, th- cause I know that's very much an important, uh, thought process that I think a lot of white folks don't consider at all. It's just like the, the, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's... <laughs> yeah. I think like comedy is obviously based on all of our experiences. And when you get diversity in your lineup, you get different types of relevancy. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate when I go to an open mic and it's like 10 dudes all talking about the same thing. Because everybody is like, oh, this is what happened in the news this week. Uh, And I like to break it up. And so if, like, a bunch of dudes are like, well, did you hear what Trump said? I'll be like, hey, I got some jokes about, you know, Kylie Jenner's new baby and, like, Kim Kardashian. Because that's what's happening in my neck of the woods. Do you have a favorite sister? Oh. Honestly. Honestly, right now, my favorite is Kylie. Yeah? I mean, Kim, Kim K forever. Like, Kim K is the one. But right now, like, Kylie got me with that pregnancy video. That was a good fucking it was, video. She got us all. She literally hid that pregnancy so well. And then she was just like, boom, baby has been had. Here's a video. Now you're crying. What do you got to say to me? Yeah. Yeah. Like. I watched that the other night. It, like, came up in a, it came up in, like, a YouTube autoplay. Yeah. And I was, and I initially, I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. And then I was like. 
And then cut to two minutes later, and I'm like, ah. I was just like, why? And I was just They're like, so why? Enough. I was like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching it? And then, oh, and when like it goes to black and you hear the baby cry, I was uh. just like, oh my gosh. Well, because like. Well, we've been watching the Kardashians. Well, and what's so what's so amazing to me is how like how into the birth they are on that show. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're there. Like you see you see Courtney pulling that baby out of her. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I I'm not a fan of like pregnancy or babies. Oh, and they love the thing with the Kardashians they, yeah, they, they love, love that they, they love, love doing babies. the under the knife stuff yeah was like, I, don't, I don't know why I mean I mean it makes them money viscera. to like yeah they'll show those fluids. it makes them money to like reproduce so like get those babies on camera I guess mm-hmm. I don't know yeah <laughs> oh god alright I'm interested um, you mentioned something a little while ago about how folks who aren't from Chicago don't like to claim Chicago and like tell Chicago stories. Whereas in LA and in New York, like six months in and you're an expert. Yeah. And I'm wondering what, in your view, what it is about Chicago that people are so hesitant to claim Chicago stories. Honestly, Chicago, we're tougher here. We don't, we don't let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like the activists and people I know in Chicago who are actively like fighting against gentrification and fighting against these kind of rapid changes to the city are some of the most like outspoken, boisterous people. And, you know, they will tell you, unless you've lived here 10 years, don't try to say you're from here. (laughs) You got to hit that 10 year mark in Chicago before you can be like, Hey, maybe ketchup's not so bad, right? <laughs> like before anyone will be like, "What?" Otherwise, before that, it's like, "Oh, what are you talking about? This is Chicago," and it's I love it. it. It's a weird place for me because being from Rockford, that's where I grew up. But then I had like family and a stepdad in the city, so I would come to Chicago a lot growing up. So I felt very like in between. And also, Rockford is not like an amazing place as we've covered. Uh, so it's this weird thing where like Chicago has always kind of felt like home to me in a way. Uh, But then I'm also very aware of the fact that, like, I am a girl who went to school in Massachusetts and I moved into Logan Square and I work in media and I am definitely gentrifying this neighborhood. But, oh, my God, I love Lonesome Roses tacos. So, (laughs) no, you know, I definitely feel that because, like, so I'm um, I was born in Milwaukee. Both of my parents were raised in, like, Chicago suburbs and all of my family, except for my immediate family, lived in Chicago. Yeah. So, like, every holiday we were down here. And, like, my grandma, like, grew up on the south side. Like, my great-grandma was, like, a secretary at U Chicago, And my great-grandpa was a security guard at U Chicago. Yeah. And, like, and, like um, a, a, some grandpa owned a bar on Lincoln Avenue and yeah. stuff like that. But I didn't grow up here. Like, I have... Yeah, I've and got, Chicago like, is particular about that. Oh, like, yeah. Chicagoans, it all comes down to one question. Where'd you go to high school? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where'd you no. go to high school? <laughs> no, and my answer is shit. My answer is, yeah. I went to a Wauwatosa public school. Yep. It's a suburb of Milwaukee, and they're like, like get the fuck yeah, out of like here. Yeah, like, when I when I first <laughs> moved here, I was naive, and I tried to pull the, oh, you know, I, I like, I, I'm from all over. Like, I kind of grew up in Rockford, but I was in Chicago a lot. And then someone was just like, where'd you go to high school? And I I was just like I'm found out. <laughs> I went to Keith Country Day School. I'm sorry, I'm not from here. 
Like, that's what it always comes down to, is where do you go to school? And if it was not a high school in Chicago, you are not from Chicago. Yeah. No, and it's like, yeah, and it's hard, because, like, it doesn't matter how much time you spent here as a kid. Like, yeah, no. if you if you didn't take the train to school, yeah. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut up. You're not from here. It's either that, or you hate your 10 years. Like, which one is it going to be? Right. And coming up on, on five years in a few months here, I... I'm chugging along. I'm making my way Mm -hmm. to being a real Chicagoan. (laughs) God, that's so funny. I wonder what it, I mean, like, what is it, like, why is it that New York and LA, and I mean, you know, as people, I mean, you're from New York though, so maybe you can speak to this. Yeah. Why people are so quick to claim and allowed to claim New York and LA and I mean, like we've obviously yeah. been been over Chicago, but what is it about New York? What, in your view? I think it's um, relatable, not relatable, but like, I don't know, like you people have ideas of what New Yorkers are like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think people also have, are starting to have ideas of what Chicagoans are like, but it's like there are stereotypes that you can latch onto with like national existences. If that even makes sense. Is that the, I don't know if that's yeah. the way I want to put that, but like, I think it's like New York is the struggle. And like when you move there and you hit mm. like a level of struggle where you get it, people are like, oh yeah, you've, you've hit the real New York struggle. You know what it's about. But in Chicago, it's not like, oh, you survived a Chicago winter. You're here now. Cause we've grown up with that. We live with it. Like yeah. do it for 10 years and then you count. Right. But in New York, it's like. I don't know, you had termites or rats or something. New York just seems terrifying to me. But it's like you survive that and then all of a sudden you get to be a New Yorker. And L.A., I think L.A. is just a burning trash heap that people don't care to claim in the first place, really. So people are just like, yeah, you want to say you're from L.A.? Fine, who cares? Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of my favorite games of all time is something I made up. It's called The Cities Game, and it's like fuck, marry, kill, but for cities. And so it's... um, live in forever visit and burn to the ground and so the rule is you pick three cities and then the two cities that you pick that aren't the one that you burn to the ground or that's oscar by the way the cat for those at home it's a cat that just walked up um (laughs) but yeah that's one of my favorite games and the one that you always start with is chicago la and new york of course okay i mean yeah i would live in chicago forever i would visit New York and I'd burn LA to the ground but LA is already burning to the ground so like there you go. Mm-hmm. When I first moved here I was the fucking worst and I was like yeah I think I'd burn Chicago because I'm from New York and I'd want to be able to go to the beach but then but, and I'd always be like oh and it's already burned down so like it's fine like <laughs> they'd, they'd be able to figure that out but now I like I'm start, at least starting to uh, very much not I like want to live here for yeah the, like forever. for me Chicago will always be my base like if I were to ever buy a home which is a wild dream as a millennial mm-hmm. but if I were to own property I'd want it to be here um, Chicago is kind of the place that I always return to uh, and it's the place where I was just I was given insane stupid freedom in my early 20s in this city to really figure myself out uh, I think in New York, if I had lived the way that I lived in Chicago, I would be dead or incredibly poor or in jail by now. But Chicago is the kind of place where you can be like a 22, 23 year old with your first like job right out of school and you can stay out until 4 a.m. drinking and biking around the city and just like getting into all these different communities and scenes and doing all this weird art uh, and it's and it's just communities that are way more welcoming than anywhere else I've ever been. Cool. I love it. We actually have a few minutes left. 
Uh, so the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Um, we also love uh, hearing uh, shout outs for other folks that you do that you think are doing dope work um, or media that you're consuming. When, when is this going to air? Uh, so Wednesday? Wednesday morning. Okay, I got it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm a comic, so I have some comedy shows coming up. Uh, you can catch me this Sunday at the Ashley Show uh, at IO or the Boy Suck Talent Show. Is that your at, namesake? Yes. So the Ashley Show is a show of all performers named Ashley. Uh, it's me, Ashley Victoria, and a bunch of other amazing, hilarious Ashleys. It's a mix of like stand-up and improv and music all coming to you from people named Ashley, which was like the most popular name from like 1984 to 2000. Uh, so oh there's, God. it's like six Ashleys on this show and it's amazing. Uh, and that is at eight o'clock PM at IO. And then I am doing the boys suck talent show at the second city um, in the Jane beat theater. And that is at nine o'clock. Uh, and then you can also catch me next Thursday uh, February 22nd, next Thursday at Tuxedo Cat Comedy. Wonderful show. One of my favorite shows in the city. That's at Beauty Bar. Should be a really, really good time. There's amazing people on that lineup. Cool. That's so fucking cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles there, as well as all of our podcast episodes. Uh, otherwise, you can keep up with us on social media. On Facebook, we've got a Facebook group called Sounding Board. Uh, and we've also got a Facebook page, Scopy Magazine. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Play, Radio Public, and iTunes Podcasts under Scopy Mag, and we spell that S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you're in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our donate section. There are a couple ways that you can give. First of all, you can do a one-time donation. If you choose to do that, you will have our eternal gratitude. Otherwise, for as little as $5 a month, you can <laughs> you can help support our mission of uplifting local arts and independent media. If you're interested in giving on a higher level or in advertising opportunities, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>